Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. How's everyone doing? Happy March. I can't believe it's March already. Y'all, it's March already. (laughs) It's crazy. Even though January lasted like seven years. Today I have... My friend, Deborah Doak. Deborah hasn't been on the podcast for a while, and I realized that a little while ago. She's like one of my favorite Instagram pages on divorce. And I was going and I was looking at her stuff and I was like, oh my God, we haven't done this in a while. So we did it. As many of you know, Deborah is a certified divorce coach. She is a certified divorce financial analyst. She is a pre-mediation divorce coach, a family court mediator. Hello and the author of The High Conflict, Divorce for Women, uh, which is a great, great book. So in addition to working one-on-one with clients, Deborah spends time teaching and mentoring new divorce coaches. She is the instructor for the high conflict portion of the CDC, uh, which is the Certified Divorce Coach Program, a longtime mentor mentor coach for the CDC program, and is a co-founder and master educator at Divorce Coaches Academy, an online continuing education platform for professional divorce coaches. How awesome is that? This woman, this woman knows her stuff, y'all. Before we get into my conversation with Deborah on, we're talking today about conflict, what it is what causes it to escalate in divorce and all of and all of the things all the things conflict so but before we get into that just a couple little housekeeping things i want to let you know about um, the first is that as i've mentioned i am mid revision i am going through my should i stay or should i go program and revising the entire thing reshooting all of the videos and taking out things that i don't think we need and adding in things that i think we do And that will be available in mid-April. And the price is going to be going up because it is going to be all new and revised and brand spanking new. So if you feel like you want to get Get listen, the old program as it stands is amazing. Obviously, it's been around for a few years, changed a lot of people's lives. So if you want to get in on um the the cheaper price, then you should go ahead and grab that now or you know, heads up, we got a new one coming out. So, and then the other thing is, I just wanted to let you guys know this. This is nothing that you have to do about this, but um, I am starting at the end of this week, a 40 hour domestic violence advocacy program. So I, you know, I'm so tired of telling my, my clients and people in my Facebook group, And my followers, call your local domestic violence, you know, agency. They're all overrun. Many people just can't get the help and services that they need. I've decided that I need more education on how to be able to be an advocate for women who are in domestic violence situations um, myself so that I can directly uh, pass on information um, and give you the help that you need directly, as opposed to telling you to go somewhere else that may or may not be able to support you. 
So um, I'm starting that this week. So Friday, Saturday, and then next Friday, Saturday, and then the next Friday from eight to five, I'm doing 40 hours, 40 hours, y'all, of domestic violence advocacy training. I'm really excited about it. Um, And I will bring back all of my knowledge to y'all when I get it. That's all I got to tell you about this week. And here is my conversation with Deborah Doak. Deborah Doak, thank you so much for coming back Uh, to the podcast. I am so excited to be back. You know, I'm one of your biggest fans. Oh, I adore you. I adore you. And I am one of yours. So (laughs) the, the adoration is mutual. So, okay. So we're going to talk about conflict, right? Right. And we talk well, there's so much about narcissists and high conflict divorce and yada, 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 yada. Like mm-hmm. what are we talking about when we talk about conflict? Yeah. So I think people talk about conflict and we assume it's just a disagreement, right? Mm-hmm. But it really ends up being a lot more than that. And especially when we're talking about divorce, So much of what causes conflict to escalate in divorce, I think is rooted in fear. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, when we're afraid and that lizard brain, our amygdala starts to get fired up, we say and do things that aren't in our best interest. Mm -hmm. We make Mm -hmm. decisions that aren't in our best interest. Things just kind of go out the window. That's right. So I think a lot of it is rooted in fear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People who are sort of quote high conflict, like is that is is this long drawn out battle? Is that inevitable? Like, are we just gonna right for for high conflict? Right for high conflict, like for high conflict people, like how do you manage that? Like when you're in it, right? You're in your your you are you are scared, and most people mm-hmm. are reacting as you said from that lizard brain. They don't actually know that they're operating out of fear, but they are. But they so are. How can people? recognize this so that they can de-escalate, right? Or yep. if they see that their partner is acting out of fear, like to not take the bait, right? And join yeah. them there. And join uh, them there. Right. So is it is it destined to be some long drawn out thing? Yes. Divorce takes a long time, right? Yes. <laughs> the first thing we know is everybody gets frustrated because it takes so much longer than they hope. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And Honestly, if you do it right and you take your time and you really discuss things, if you do your discovery and ideally you mediate over a period of time, it should take time. Yes. And what time, let's just give the, give the people a little, um, you know, some reasonable expectations. How long? So in that way, you're taking your time, you're taking time time for discovery, you're mediating, which takes a little bit, you know, well, doesn't take longer necessarily than a litigation, but like, you're really, how long are we, should people expect? I would say six to 12 months. And if it's really complicated, longer than that, if Mm -hmm. you've got complicated finances where we need business evaluations and pension evaluations and separate property investigations and just a a forensic accountant, which isn't just for high conflict divorce. When people have complicated finances, a forensic accountant can take six months to do their job. Well, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's not a fast process. And I think that frustration sometimes increases conflict as well. Yes. 
And that's why I was asking just to give people a reasonable expectation because so often, like, I mean, I was talking to a client the other day and I was like, well, this is going to take a long time. Like, cause she's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, hold on. Hold on. You know, and what I keep trying to impress upon my clients is that this is part of the process. Mm-hmm. This like the holding on is actually yeah. part of the process. Right. Yeah. And she was like, well, how long is this going to take? And I was like, probably about a year. She was like, what the fuck? And I was like, (laughs) yeah. 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 I mean, especially, well, let's back up and say, it could be done right away if the two of you agreed on everything. But you're getting divorced. So (laughs) the chances of you agreeing on everything are slim to none and Slim's left the building. Um, (laughs) So when we say amicable divorce, we don't mean no conflict. Right. Right. So first of all, let's just, you know, contextualize conflict. Divorce will have conflict. That's negotiation is part of the deal. Right. That's okay? right. Mm-hmm. You're going to disagree. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to find a way to compromise, collaborate, find some middle ground. That is conflict. And it's going to take a while, mm-hmm. you know? If you agreed on things and you communicated that well and that effectively that you could write an agreement at your kitchen table, you probably wouldn't be getting divorced. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, and even in the most amicable, like we did actually pretty much agree on everything, um, but that was because he was not out to, neither one of us were operating out of fear. He wasn't operating out of trying to protect his assets and I wasn't operating out of fear of, you know, trying to go after them or whatever. I think it does come back down to fear. So what other factors contribute to, do you see breakdown, uh, contribute to breakdowns in communication when in negotiations? Yeah. So, you know, one thing we always have to talk about is the assumption iceberg. Mm. And that is that we we judge ourselves by our intentions, mm-hmm. but we judge other people by their actions. And so when you and I are divorcing and you make a move or I make a move, I only see what you did. And then I make up a story in my head to use the Brene Brown language. Mm-hmm. I make up a story about why you did that. Yep. Yes. And right. often I villainize you mm-hmm. and I make up, I, I create malintent. Right. And Mm -hmm. then that escalates that fear. Yes. So if we can get rid of that storytelling and just be neutral about it, that stops some of the escalation right there. Yes, that's right. And often checking it out, right? Because often, you know, what's happening is their communication is being filtered through right? Mm -hmm. Our experience, past experiences of the world. And sometimes they were, you know, they were full of abuse or, you know, neglect or whatever. Right. And so we're filtering that through that. And so therefore the person must be out to get us or whatever. Right. And so it alters our thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to address what filter (laughs) we have on, you know, that, that is adjusting our, that is sort of altering our thinking. One of the greatest things that we learned in our couples therapy, because my ex and I both had that, these like filters, him in particular, where almost everything I said was put through this filter of like, I'm out to get you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he always felt defensive 
Um, he always felt like things, and, and it was literally the most benign things. And so our therapist taught us a, to check out our interpretations, right? Yes. To say like, when you said this, by the tone of your voice, I interpreted, right? And yes. to, keep, to take responsibility for that. I'm interpreting mm-hmm. the way you said that to mean some this other thing. Yes. Is that is that right? Is that right? And, Let me check out your intent right. rather than make up a story about it. Exactly. And then the other person, you know, will say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Usually no. <laughs> Usually they're like, no. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have to believe them. And that's the, I think that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. Right? Cause then we want to be like bullshit. Right. I know you meant it. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. I know you better than you know you. Right. That's right. And then yes. we're getting in their head and deciding how they're, how they think mm-hmm. and how they believe. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we all have a default conflict style that we have used Mm, mm -hmm. and have been taught growing up or have accommodated to some sort of conflict style. How do we Mm. usually deal with conflict? And in the Thomas Kilman model, there are five ways that people deal with conflict. Okay. And some are more helpful than others. And, And they rate them on assertiveness and cooperation. Mm-hmm. Right. So we all recognize a competing style of conflict management, which is I'm going to win. Right. Right. And we all know lots of people that that is their go-to style. Anytime there's a conflict, I'm yes. just going to prove I'm right. I'm going to yeah. hammer my perspective home until you accept it. Whether I actually believe it myself or not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But I'm going to hammer it home. But I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Right? Yep. 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 So totally. That is high on assertiveness, but low on cooperation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we have people who are avoidant. They think conflict is bad. They don't trust themselves to handle it. They just don't say anything. Right. These are your passive people that do eventually blow up. But so they're low on assertiveness and they're low on cooperation. Mm hmm. Because that doesn't do anything to resolve conflict if you avoid it. Right. So people have these styles. And then there's other ones that are accommodating, collaborating, and compromising Mm. that fall more on the cooperative side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But we all have this one style. But accommodating would not be very high on the assertiveness scale, right? No, it's low on assertiveness, right? Even though it's cooperative. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see me as very cooperative when I accommodate you. But then I'm probably walking away with a lot of resentments because exactly. I've accommodated all of your needs and probably not exactly. very many of my own. Exactly. <laughs> right? so speaking of codependence. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's collaborating, which mm-hmm. is high on assertiveness and high on cooperation. Mm-hmm. And collaborating is where we want to be. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Cooperative and assertive. And that's what the, an effective mediation does that. We come up with a collaborative solution, some sort of settlement agreement, parenting plan that works for everybody. And so where does this go wrong? Right. This goes wrong in fear. In it goes wrong in fear. Right. And it goes wrong in position versus interest. Mm. Position is I want this. Mm-hmm. I want 50, 50 parenting. That's what I want. Right. Right. Whereas interest is the underlying need. 
Right. I would really like to be able to see the children a lot more often. I'm scared. I'm not going to have enough contact with them after we get divorced. So there's an underlying need. And the best story that illustrates the difference between position and interest is a story about an orange. Okay. A boy and a girl are fighting over, there's one orange and they're fighting over it. Have you heard the story? No, no, I love it. They're they're (laughs) fighting over it. The boy says, I want the orange. The girl says, I want the orange. They're screaming and yelling. And finally, the mom says, I've had it. She walks over and she cuts the orange in half and she hands them each a half an orange and says, there, I've solved the problem. Both the kids are still unhappy. Why? Because the boy needed all the juice for a recipe and the girl needed all the peel for an art project. Mm. Now, if we had stopped, mom was listening position. I want it. If we'd gotten to the underlying interests, they could have both had their needs met. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite story about the difference between position and interests. And in mediation or when you are negotiating, if you can ask a lot of curious questions to help me understand what's right. important about this to you. Yes, yes. That's that's so great. That sort of brings to mind the story of like how I ended up um, giving up my house, you know, partly because mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't afford it, but it was really because my ex made this case of his interest. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I want the house. It was, I'm scared as the working dad, who's always out of the house that, that I'm already disenfranchised. And if I go get some apartment, some strange place, he, our son will feel like, I'll feel that much more disconnected. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I at least keep the house, there's like, he's like, Kate, wherever you go is home to him. Right. So, so let me just have the home so that, and I was like, okay, (laughs) like I was crying by the time he like made his case. Right. And this was no longer about the house. It's no longer about the house. And it's about how to best meet the needs because you're still going to be a family, especially if you have children. You're so you still have to figure out how to best meet the needs of your family. Mm-hmm. And so going back to, is it a long drawn out process? No, but of all the conflict styles, collaboration takes the longest. Yeah. And it should, right. It takes the longest mm-hmm. because yeah. you're actually dialoguing mm-hmm. and conversing instead of just digging your heels in and crossing your arms and screaming, I want louder and louder over each other or over each other's lawyers. <laughs> Over each other's lawyers. Right. Right. Or having your lawyers do it for you. Yeah. So, of all the styles, now there are times just in general life when one style is more effective. In an emergency, you you need a quick decision. We're not going to sit around and collaborate about what to do. Right. We're going to, whoever has the competing style is going to jump in and make a decision. Boom. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But in divorce, collaboration, creates the best outcome for everyone. And it takes the longest. Yeah. And the best outcome specifically, probably for your kids. Absolutely. Because the process of getting there, right. I mean, that, that in and of itself is like, is a, you know, I always talk about how we have to intentionally transition the relationship, right. We are transitioning Mm -hmm. this relationship from this thing being married couple to this thing being divorced Mm co-parents. And the process of working through that collaboration sort of creates that transition, right? You're, you're asking all the right questions. And at Mm -hmm. the end of it, you've transformed your relationship. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. You've moved from being romantic partners to business partners. Mm -hmm. Who can, who can successfully negotiate a complicated deal, (laughs) you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, you know, part of the work I think we do as divorce coaches is help our clients recognize when they're in one of those unhealthy styles Mm. and give them the tools to move toward a more collaborative style. Yes, absolutely. And now a word from our sponsor, the Divorce Survival Program. Now that you know that divorce is on the horizon, you need to get up to speed on how all of this works. Stat. You probably have a million and one questions swirling through your head from how and when do we tell the kids to will my ex and I ever get along again and just about everything in between. You've got legal questions, you've got financial questions, and you've got a whole host of questions about your kids. And that doesn't even touch how you'll start your life over again. Lucky for you, I have the answers to all of your questions. As one of the pioneers of the divorce coaching industry, I've been helping women navigate the divorce process for the last decade. And now for the first time ever, all of my divorce wisdom is available in one online program. The Divorce Survival Program will help you process the emotional fallout of your divorce so you don't go into mediation bitter or resentful. It'll help you understand the difference between litigation, mediation, collaborative divorce, and identify which is right for you. It'll help you tell your husband you want a divorce in a way that doesn't keep you stuck in a circular conversation for the next three months. It'll help you tell your kids you're getting a divorce in a way that won't completely break them. It'll help you understand how your divorce will impact your friends and family and what conversations are appropriate to have with each. It'll help you create appropriate and healthy boundaries with your ex and learn about dating after divorce and how that will affect you, your kids, and yes, even your ex. But most important, the most important thing this program will help you do is protect your children from any unnecessary fallout from an ugly and contentious divorce litigation. And that, my love, is fucking priceless. So sign up today. Go to kateanthony.com slash getting divorced and don't forget to use the code DSGPOD for $50 off. That's DSGPOD, Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, because that's where you heard it. DSGPOD will give you $50 off. So once again, that's kateanthony.com slash getting divorced. And now back to our episode. This is complicated by our feelings, by our resentments, by our, our grief. How do you sort of invite come in a compelling manner, mm-hmm. invite your soon to be ex into this collaborative discussion? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you said it best actually in a recent, um, you were recently talking with Susan Guthrie. Uh huh. Talking about how to have that conversation that you want to get divorced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you told the story of someone who just kept saying, yeah, we're not doing it that way. Right. We're not doing it that way. So part of it is you Mm -hmm. making the decision about how you want this to be. It's your divorce. How do you want it to go? Right. And so part of the way you invite them in is by modeling. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to do it. And so I just love the way you explained that story of, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> bless your heart. We're not doing it that way. 
<laughs> and for those who didn't hear that, it's a it's a client of mine a couple of years ago who her husband like literally was like dead set on trying to make this really bad because the only time he, so he had gotten divorced once before and he'd packed his bags in the middle of the night and left <laughs> like that's his only experience of divorce and he couldn't do that this time because there was a child involved and so he was just like a, he was like a like a cage animal he was like he had to be angry he had to like you know and she was like no no we're gonna do this collaboratively and he was like and he kept flaring up and trying to make it bad and and nasty and she was like mm, no honey no 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 <laughs> we're not doing right. it that way and he finally was like he had nowhere to go we had to surrender because <laughs> right. she never took the bait she mm -hmm. never got on the court with him and fought in the way that he was she was just like i'm i'm so sorry this is not how we are gonna do this mm -hmm. and that's how it was i coached her in that right like yeah. You just keep saying, like, you just keep showing up how you want this to go. And eventually he'll probably have to, you know, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, part of how we invite them in is by how we show up, how we start the conversation. Yes. By taking right. our time and not rushing. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Conflict yes. can escalate when we throw in a sense of urgency. That's right. So when we're able to lay back and say, you know what, this is going to happen. It may not happen this week. It might be next month. That's okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. When we are ready, like it's, it'll happen when we are both ready. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I urge, I think one of the, one of the biggest mistakes I see made all the time is women who don't think that they can, don't trust themselves to have the conversation yeah. in a way that will be heard. And so they file first. Yes. They file before telling them. Mm -hmm. And my response to that is like, you have now set yourself up for conflict. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That's about the, that's about the most escalatory thing you can start off with. That's right. That's throwing up the middle finger and yep. here we go. That's right. Um, now, are there cases where for safety reasons, absolutely, you yep. need to file first? Absolutely. So we're not saying for everyone, that's the that's the right answer. But in many cases, especially if you have worked with a coach as you're thinking through this decision, mm -hmm. and we've been able to do the steps mm -hmm. to help you get ready for it in case it goes sideways, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Get your bank account set up, get some emergency money set aside, get the things in place so that fear is gone, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? right? Again, let's get rid of the fear so that your amygdala, who my clients and I have named, nicknamed Amy. Amy. Oh, I love Amy. it. Oh, I love it. Because that's and how our, it starts. Right. And mm -hmm. our goal is to keep Amy buckled in the car seat in the back seat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, we do mm -hmm. not want Amy getting in the front trying to grab the steering wheel. Right. If we can have something set up so that if he does, when you tell him, Mm -hmm. move his paycheck and do all the things you're still in a position where you can say, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm good. So it's preparatory work on the front end. Yeah. And that's all part of that exit strategy and getting ready. Yeah. So again, dealing with fear. Yes. And also as you know, as you said, like working with a coach, right. Who can, 
figure out what are all the fears? What are all the fears that you have? I'll ask my clients this, like, what are all of your fears? And then we can just start to address them. Like, okay, that is a fully legitimate fear. Let's make sure you're set up for that. Mm-hmm. Is that a legitimate? I have, I have a client, a couple of clients mm-hmm. who have these, these like big fantastical, like he's going to do this and he's going to do this and he's going to do this. And I would say, is that who he has ever shown himself to be? <laughs> and they would say, well, no, but you know, I, and I'm like, okay, is he it, mm-hmm. in your, in your sort of most calm center? Do you think he's going to do that? And they'll be like, no. I'm like, okay, so we are not operating from that place because that's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. And it's, it's dangerous to get on the internet and talk to all the other people about their horror stories and let them get you jacked up. Yes. Your, yes. you know, divorces are snowflakes. Mm-hmm. They might look the same, but you're just different. And you know yourself and you know your spouse. Yeah. And so work with a coach who can help you make your decisions that are best for you, not based on somebody else's horror story. Amen. Talking about like the impact of doing this work, right? On the cost and outcome and the future of your relationship. Because a lot of people are like, oh, coaching is so expensive. It's like another added expense. Doing this work, like whether you do it with a coach or not, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not invested, right? Right. But doing this kind of work mm-hmm. to figure out, to, to sort of excavate what's happening for you, talk about the impact on the, the cost of the entire process. Let's talk about just one particular expense, mm. okay? If, if you're going to be escalatory and fight over parenting time instead of being able to sit down and talk about what's in the best interest of your children, just a guardian ad litem or parenting coordinator is going to cost you how much? I don't know how much they charge. I don't either. (laughs) A lot, right? I'll tell you, I am not that expensive. (laughs) I am not. You could get a lot of coaching. (laughs) Yeah, you get a lot of coaching for that much money, y'all. Yeah. Um, You could do like three rounds of three, you know, three whole rounds of my package for that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, and even time with your attorney, Mm -hmm. right? So you're paying your attorney. Three, four, five, seven hundred dollars an hour. He's paying his attorney three, four, five, seven hundred dollars an hour to send emails to each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. For the cost of two emails, you could work with a coach for six or eight sessions. Right. <laughs> right. I'll throw some more numbers out. The latest numbers I saw said the average cost of mediation is sixty six hundred dollars. Okay. And that I, I think many of them are done for a lot less than that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's the average, right? So yeah. It's the average. Okay. Mm-hmm. Average collaborative divorce around 18,000. Oh, that's a lot. Mhm. Wow. But again, that's if you have parenting plans and maybe complicated financial assets, right? You're paying two well, attorneys, two you're paying attorneys, a financial a, neutral, probably right. a parenting person. Right. You got four people involved in every mm-hmm. meeting. Yep. Yep. You and know, you've got coaches. So, mhm. Yeah, it does add up. Yep. Full litigation sense. with custody. 78,000. Jesus. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And so the interest in keeping it towards the (laughs) 6,600, right? If you add like another five grand for a coach, you're still cheaper than collaborative. Absolutely. You're still cheaper than collaborative. You will come, first of all, working with the coach, you'll learn skills. A lot of conflict gets escalated because people are 
they have that avoidant behavior, they're passive, they haven't, they're not using assertive communication, they're not speaking clearly and directly about what it is they need or they're asking for, um, and they're not setting good boundaries. Mm-hmm. So by working with a coach, you yourself can gain some skills that by default will help decrease mm. the conflict that's going on there, right? We have so much power over it. And I, and I don't think people realize how much power and control they have over how this process goes for them. Sure, sure. I think we're getting the word out about that. I think, I think so. I mean, I'm, we're certainly trying. When people are, you know, in it, right, and they feel like they're doing okay, but then the, con- like, of course the conflict comes up, right? Yeah. What do you tell people about how to manage conflict, like in the moment, like in it, in it? In it, in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and. Mm. Especially in negotiations or if you're trying to um, figure something out and it's you're kind of at an impasse or you hear something you don't like. That's typically how it starts. You hear something you don't like. Right. Let's use parenting again. Mm-hmm. This is a typical thing for me is. Mom's been a stay-at-home mom. She's going to suggest this every other weekend schedule, right? Uh-huh, right. And dad comes back and says, no, I think I would like shared parenting, 50-50. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, she there are a couple out. ways. Yeah, she freaks out, right? Which is going to cause him to be argumentative and defensive. And she's like, no way. You've never changed a diaper, blah, 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 blah. Or you can say, yes, and. I love that you're interested in spending more time with the kids. Yes. And. Can we talk a little bit about how that would work with your work and travel schedule? Mm-hmm. So I haven't said yes. I haven't done anything. And I know full well, by the time we work through the logistics of your travel schedule, it ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> right. right? Right. But I didn't put you on the defensive. I said, yes. And yes, I love that. I love that. And as he's talking about it, he's going, this isn't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Right. This doesn't make sense, right? Instead of me right. saying, you couldn't possibly do that. Your right. schedule doesn't allow for that. How can mm-hmm. you possibly, right? You're right. saying, okay, great. So tell me how you think that would work. Not yeah. in a like, not in a passive aggressive bitchy way. Just a, like, yeah. Right. Okay. Why don't you tell me how that's going to work? You know, asshole. but yeah, right. Exactly. right. But like, no, like, okay. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that would look like. How is that going to work? Yeah. And then as he's talking, if he realizes it isn't going to work, then we can get back to interest-based. So we started at position. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to tell you, yes, and I love that you want to spend more time with the kids. I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk through how that might look. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes and you say, okay, so it sounds like maybe the typical week on week off isn't going to jive too well with your work schedule. Let's talk about some other alternatives that will give you extra time with the kids. Now we're back to interest because what he wants is not to feel disconnected from his children. Right. Because he comes home to them every night. Right. And if he gives every other weekend, he's completely disconnected. Right. And so, yeah, of course he doesn't want that. Of course he doesn't want that. So by saying yes, and I keep the dialogue open. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. really what all this is about. And again, that's what the collaborative style is. That's why this process takes longer is because there's a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We want to keep the conversation going. I love that. I love yeah. that. And, and it takes something, right, for us to be the person to hear the, hear the sort of the need yeah. behind the suggestion, right, to mm-hmm. be able to name it. 
oh, I hear you. I, what I hear you say is that you want to spend more time with the kids. That's great. It's acknowledging and honoring that they actually want that, like what their mm-hmm. intention really is. Right. Um, which is hard to do in a moment when you're starting to feel triggered and scared. <laughs> right. It is. It is. And that all goes back to scared. And those fears and working with someone who can help you work through those fears. Fears, yes. Fear, 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 fear. You know, is there knowledge or skills or something we can help you so that when the situation does come up, you, Amy doesn't, Amy does not get out of the car seat. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you know, one of the ways that I do this, and I'm sure you do this with your clients too, is that like, I will, I will help you script the whole conversation because you, Mm -hmm pretty much know how they're going to react. You pretty much know you've been mm-hmm. married to this person for a long time. You mm-hmm. kind of know yep. where their, their sort of buttons are and how, what they might say. Right. So it's, we can, we can pretty much script this and give you a, like yeah. just even a list of bullet points about if you, if this, then that, if this, then that, <laughs> right. Exactly. A de- decision tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. The other right. thing we do, and I'm sure you do this too, is we role play because mm-hmm. I can be a, I'm a great asshole. Oh, I can be, yeah. I can be really, really high conflict and difficult. So I mm-hmm. can, you know, force my clients into that situation where they feel <laughs> triggered and oh, how am I going to do it? And we practice it. Yeah. That's great. You know? That's great. Yeah. 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 It's kind of fun. I get to yell at my clients. <laughs> I feel so bad for them. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying now. I do. I do. Of course I do. Yeah. yeah. Deborah's like the sweetest person ever. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm the sweetest person ever, but um, I typically don't yell at them. But no, yes, role playing no. is a great way for them to sit in, sit in those shoes and practice the script mm-hmm. that we've worked on. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. What other tools? What other tools do you, do you use or, or recommend? to set someone up for, for dealing with a high conflict situation for dealing or, with a high conflict or even high conflict moment. Right. Yes. So, you know, grounding techniques, mm-hmm. breathing, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I tell my clients when you're going into a situation where you have to have a hard conversation is, um, is wear a ring or uh-huh. a bracelet that yeah. you can spin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, yes. or touch, Something right. tactile yep. that you can remind a, yourself about yeah. a rock. A worry stone, a, I recommend, yep. right? And yes. also I recommend people put their feet on the ground, get take mm-hmm. their shoes off and put their feet on the ground so they can actually feel themselves. Like, right. And these, and the reason yep. we do this, just so so people are aware of why, right, is because when you get activated, when Amy gets activated, <laughs> you're out of your body. And so grounding yep. techniques like a ring or a worry stone or pressing your feet into the floor, like really mm-hmm. pushing them in, they yep. actually help keep you in your body. Keep you in your body, right? You might say another grounding technique is just to to talk about where you are and what you see and what you feel and what you smell and like bringing yourself back to present, right? Mm-hmm. So some you can say it in your head, right? Right. Yep. I'm here in mediation. I'm safe. I'm ready for this. It's okay. I'm, you know, or if you're doing it on Zoom, right? I'm home. Mm-hmm. I'm in my office. Everything's good. I'm touching my desk. I can see my favorite poster. Like just bringing yourself right back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get I tethered. love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. That's a great so, one. Yep. Because that stops you from getting activated. Even if they're getting activated, that stops you from getting activated. Right. 
like enjoining them on the court, you know, with activation court. <laughs> so. Activation court, right. And if you can remain present in your body with your rational thinking brain working, the other thing we know about is we have mirror neurons. And so you can be the transmitter of mirror neurons or the receiver, but other people pick up your vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And so if you can stay grounded and you can be breathing and you can have Amy in the back seat, then your mirror neurons can transmit that to the other person. Mm-hmm. That's instead right. of you receiving all their chaos. Right. Right. You can be interrupting that and sending back a different signal. Yeah. Like my client. No, we're not doing that. No, no. we're not doing that. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not doing that. No. I love you. This is not how this is going to go. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's exactly it. Right. That's exactly what happened is he eventually had to, had to pick up on hers. Yeah. Cause she wasn't picking his up. Nope. But the second you pick it up, the second you get, you know, activated you and, and listen, we all get activated, right? So you can, if you notice that you've gotten activated, right? You can then say, Ooh, wow. You know what? I think I just got activated. I need, can I take a, can we take a breather? Yeah. And then go ground yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Just yeah. because it so, happens doesn't mean it has to stay that way. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that self-awareness. And that's part of the work we can do too, is, is helping our clients be observant. Mm-hmm. Of yeah what it feels like for them when they're getting activated. What do they notice? Mm -hmm. Do you notice breathing? Do you notice a heart rate? Do your palms get sweaty? Do you get fidgety in your seat? What is it for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that you can start to become self-aware and kind of intercept it earlier. Right. Like, oh, I am noticing my heart is racing. Okay. Yep. That's right. Because then it's a, it's a clue. It's a clue Mm -hmm. that cause, cause, Cause again, like once Amy's out, we don't know what's happening. Right. Right. So, so if we're connected to our body and like what's happening in our body, then mm-hmm. we can, it gives us a clue um, of what's happening. Yeah. Before that whole amygdala hijack happens and the whole train is off the tracks. Yep. Yes. Um, and even if the train goes off the tracks, like what, what do you recommend? Like, you know, cause you know, I'm sure you like me, we all have clients who come back and are like, it did not go well. <laughs> like the train went off the tracks. Right. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. What do you tell people? Well, I suppose it depends on what went off the tracks, right? Uh-huh. Because it might be something that we can work on and adjust for next time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Maybe they didn't catch their activation quickly enough to ask for a break. Great. So mm-hmm. let's talk about what happened. The whole concept of conflict coaching. When we, when we work with a client is we find we investigate the story of what is the conflict and then we craft the best story. So what, how do you want this to go? Mm-hmm. And then we give them the tools and skills to do it. And then they go do it and come back. And then we review how did it go? What worked? What didn't work? What do we still need to add to mm-hmm. your skill set or talk about? Or um, every once in a while, he's, he goes rogue. And doesn't behave in the way you expect him or her right. to. Right, right. You know? Always. I mean, very often, right? Yeah. Very often, yeah. Right. And so, okay, so we learn. We yield from that. And then rinse and repeat, right? 
<laughs> your favorite line. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. That's what it's it's all about. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. So, okay. So how can listeners set themselves up for success? If they're thinking about divorce, what are some, how, how can they set themselves up for, for success in this process? So I think we have talked a lot about this and it's preparation, mm-hmm. right? Because it's identifying what are you afraid of? I don't know about you, but I've rarely talked to a client who doesn't start the conversation with, I'm afraid that. <laughs> right. I'm scared divorce is going to hurt my kids. I'm afraid I won't be able to support myself. I'm mm-hmm. afraid he's going to go crazy. I'm afraid. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So whether you work with a coach or a friend or your therapist or your pastor, but somebody explore your fears, journal them out, and then find out, is there knowledge that I need? Do I need to look at my finances? Right. Is there a person that has the information? Mm-hmm. That I can go talk to an attorney, mm-hmm. a financial planner, a mortgage lender, a somebody, right? Or is it a skill that I need? And where can I go get that? So there typically is something, a person, a skill, some information, something that will address a fear. I love that. that and that's so, that's so great. I love that to just make a list of all of your fears because that's your roadmap. Absolutely. That's your roadmap to healing. That's your roadmap to, you know, Oh, oh, look, there is vital information I actually need, right? That is available to me, right? I mean, I'm sure you've had this too. I have so many clients who are, um, I have a friend actually recently who was so scared. She was convinced that she was going to have to go work at JCPenney and that she was going to live in like the slums, right? You know, after living a very lavish lifestyle. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. And I was Mm -hmm. like, how much money did he make last year? And she was like, I have no idea. And I was like, okay. So let's start with the facts. Let's go. We're Mm going to do some information. And of course, she finally got all the information to put, Mm -hmm. you know, California has a very clear, you know, most states have a, have a support calculator. Mm -hmm. She's not going to be working at JCPenney and she's certainly not going to be living in the slums. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. And that's, that's one of the greatest fears. I think that many women have is what what are the finances going to look like? That's right. Especially those who don't don't work. Right. I had a client that lives in the Bay area, very expensive. Right. Right. Thought she could never afford to leave. So what we were, what she came to me for was finding ways to stay well in a toxic marriage because she didn't think she could ever afford to leave. Okay. All right. Well, will you indulge me? (laughs) And let's look at the numbers. (laughs) Right. Uh And when it all came down to it, her shortfall was a thousand dollars a month. And she said, see, I can never afford to leave. And I said, yeah, you can't leave unless you earn $250 a week. And she said, oh, Okay. <laughs> right. So we've identified a, a target. Uh-huh. I can hit a target if I know what it is. That's right. So again, it's that reality testing that mm. we want to go through. So good. That reality testing, same that you did. And money is a big part of that. So let's, let's look at the money. Let's look at the money. Let's see if it's true. Yeah. And maybe you do have to go get a job. Okay. But how much do you have to earn? Do you need to earn $250 a week? Is that your price of freedom or is that worth it to you? Because then that's the question on the table. That's right. That's right. right? God, I wish I had done this. I, you know, I wish we'd had divorce coaches when I got divorced, (laughs) you know, you and me both sister. (laughs) This is why we do what we do. I I made, I made my divorce a lot harder and more expensive than it needed to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
And I probably made mine easier than it should have been. Okay. Like I was too, I was more accommodating. There are things, there are things that I should have asked for that I didn't, um, that I didn't know to. Right. And I was like happy to like, Oh yeah, you know, whatever, just get it done. Yeah. Whereas uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, my, my go-to style used to be competing when my amygdala would get fired up. I would be like, you're going down. Mr. You're going down. <laughs> I love it. I love that side of you. That's great. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Oh my gosh. All right. Deborah, where can everybody find you? This is such a great conversation. And I think everyone, everyone certainly needs to follow you on Instagram if they're not already, because you're one of my favorite. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So they can find me on Instagram at Deborah Doke Coach. It's Doke, D-O-A-K. And then that's my website too. It's just DebraDoke.com. Amazing. And that's D-E-B-R-A. Just Correct. For everybody's D-E-R-A. information. And it will always be linked, obviously, in the show notes. And you are, you're a, you're a CDFA. You do all of it, right? I do all the, I love it. Yeah. I'm a certified divorce coach, a certified divorce financial analyst. And I train new divorce coaches with my partner, Tracy, through Divorce Coaches Academy. So we do continuing ed for other divorce coaches. I love that. I did not know that. Super fun. So that's where we've been doing a lot of this talk about conflict coaching lately Mm -hmm, is is really trying to educate people and pass those skills out. I love that. That's so so great. Make divorce a little kinder and a little gentler. Yes, please. For everybody. Yes, please. Deborah, thank you so much for coming on again. It's such a pleasure. I'm so happy to hear your voice and see your face. And sorry, everyone else can't see your face, but whatever. (laughs) I'm not sorry. They can't can't. see my face. (laughs) We're basically practically in our pajamas here, y'all. So (laughs) thank you, my love. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.